You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I'd like to begin here today by calling in the spirits to help us. So I call out to my ancestors and I call out to your ancestors. I call out to those ancestors who lived well, those ancestors who died well, those ancestors who crossed over to the land of the dead and turned back to face their descendants and offer their assistance. I call out to these ancestors who bring all that is good and true and beautiful to each one of us in the legacy that comes to us through those who have gone before. And I ask these ancestors to help us, the living, to do, to brilliantly and magnificently do what we have come here to do so that all that is needs to be here for those who are coming is here. May we live our lives as a living in a way that honors those who are coming. And may those who have been here help us to live in a way that we don't just keep making the same mistakes that have already been made and that we don't simply make the same old mistakes in a new way. But we ask these ancestors to help us to use what the living have access to, innovation and creativity. Help us to actually make the choices that will not only heal that which needs healing here today, but make the choices that will reconcile and make the choices that will help humanity to move forward in a new way. Move forward in a way that is no longer locked in the limitations perceived by the old story. So I ask the ancestors to be with us here today on that journey to support us in doing what we have come into our lives to do. And for this assistance, this ever true and always with us assistance, I give great thanks. And so with the ancestors gathered round, let us move our energy from our heads to our hearts. And from our hearts to our bellies, and from our bellies reach down to the earth. And take a moment as your energy touches the earth to remember to be grateful, to take stock in your life, take stock in your day, take a moment to give thanks for life. Give thanks for all the wonder and the beauty that is present in your life. To give thanks for all that has been on this path that has brought you to this moment. Give thanks for all that is and all that will be, and thanks for the diversity and the opportunity around us to learn and to grow and transform and to take a moment and simply give thanks for the awe, the wonder, the great mystery of life itself. And with great, great gratitude to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought life as we experience it to the face of this planet. With great gratitude for all of this, we allow our energy now to sink down through all the layers of the earth, moving down, down, down to the very center of the earth. And we make our choice to connect here, to be grounded in this day, grounded in our body, grounded in our time, and all that our time calls out of us. So we ground our energy here in the center of the earth and we call up these essential energies of the earth to come up into our lives to bring us restoration, rejuvenation, replenishment, to restore us and to help us to gain the energies that will make us responsible and dependable, accountable in our lives to our soul's purpose. And so we call up the energy of the earth up through all the layers of the earth into our body and in this way we call up the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way. And we use these energies in our life here on earth to create groundedness, to create a sense of place, a place of a sense of home and belonging. And in that sense of home, may we be so secure in our sense of home and belonging that we open ourselves, we open our home, we open our table to those who are different, to those who we would see as the other, to those we might not first understand. 
And so we ask the earth to help us to find the generosity in our own lives that is inherent in the natural life here on earth. And with this energy we've called up from the earth, may we feel the through this, feel connection to ourselves, to others, to our environment, to the spirit world around us, to the energies, to the ancestors and the descendants who are coming, to all that is. May we feel that connection and ultimately open ourselves to that great web of life and to know our place in that web. And from our sense of our place in that great oneness of all things may we come into right relationship with ourselves and with this energy resonating within us let us draw our energy from our bellies up to our hearts our hearts up to our minds and send this energy of the earth all the way up through all the layers of the sky up through the sky above up through the atmosphere and all the way out through the cosmos and all the way up to the highest power of the universe and we connect the earth energy there and we reach up with our heart to that energy by whatever name we know it and we name that energy we see ourselves in it and it in us and draw this energy down drawing into our lives this divine presence drawing in the energy of blessing and protection drawing in the energy of devotion and benevolence. And in this way, we draw down the energies of the, of the sky and bring into our lives all the wisdom of the cosmos. We call this energy in, drawing into our head, our heart, and our belly, and send it all the way down to the center of the earth. And as we focus here in our center, this space, head, to heart, to belly, to this humanness, this place where heaven and earth come together, where they converge in this great, great contact of these two great lovers. We invite the energy of the heart to awaken in that love, in that big love of the cosmos. We ask the energy of the heart to awaken and to be that truly magical crucible that it is. And we ask the heart to reach down and pull up the fiery passions of the belly and the lower chakras and call this energy up into the heart and let it live. And call down the crystal clarity of the mind and the upper chakras and draw this energy into the heart and let it live. And let these two energies become one. Let them dance. Let them dance together in such a way that gives birth to that third sacred thing, that memory in your heart of why you are here. And may you find in that heart the courage necessary to do something in this day large or small, to bring your soul's purpose into manifestation in your life. And for the assistance, the the abundant assistance that is here for us to do what we have come here to do, we give great thanks. And may you simply remember to ask for help. So may what needs to be said be said here today, what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So I'd also like to give thanks today for those of you, those beautiful people out there walking around on the planet that have donated financially to help this show stay on the air, that I need lots of help to keep doing this. And I am deeply grateful to those of you who are able to help financially. There are bills to be paid, and I appreciate that um, you're helping me to do that. So I give thanks to Chelsea and Erica and Masha, Mary, Eduardo, Fo Hong, Deb, and David, and all of the listeners who have donated financially to pay for the various bills that the show incurs. And I thank you so much for that. For those of you who would like to donate, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. Um, click on the donate button there, the support button there, and you can do- donate any amount, large or small. It's not dictated one way or the other. And all of it matters. All of it is helpful. Every little bit, every big bit, all of it. Um, and I give um, deep thanks to all of you for helping me in this way. For those of you that don't know, all of the archives of the show from the very beginning are also at whyshamanismnow.com. They are on iTunes, but... Um, We've um, re-edited the original shows. Um, and so the, 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 the ultimate source for the archives of the show is at whyshamanismnow.com. But you can also access them at the co-creatornetwork.com site. And the SSP um, interview shows are on the SSP site. So they're all over the place and they're free. So if this show moves you in any way, If it moves you in the heart, I ask you to let that motivation of the heart move you into action and do something in some way based on that movement. Send me a question. um, Let me know how these things are working or not working in your life. Um, Share with me your show ideas. 
um, or just simply share this in your journey circles. Take these questions into your journeys. Bring these practices into your life. Do something that helps the show to grow if the show is helping you do something to help it. So I thank you all very much for all the many, many things that you are doing. Today's show is another uh, show that is a response to a listener's question, just like last week. Um, And I'm very grateful for these questions. Um, And we are live this week. Um, If you have any questions about today's topic, um, you're invited to call in at 512-772-1938. Or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site or just email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Um, and for those of you, uh, many of you have started emailing me for long-distance work, which is lovely, and I appreciate that. However, if, you, if you're looking for shamanic healing, please just go straight to Last Mask Center site, um, not through me, but go through the site so that you can get all of the information and get scheduled and have your questions answered on all of that. Um, and so you can simply email um, assistance at lastmasscenter.org if you're interested in a shamanic healing session or just go to the Why Shamanism Now site and scroll down to the bottom of the homepage and just click the schedule a session button. We made it easy for you. So anyway, where were we? We were with today's show. So the, the topic today is what is the Axis Mundi? I was going to make a really sassy show title, but it was too long and you know they don't Google well when you start putting sexy things in the um, title of the show. So I didn't do it. Um, but this show is really about um, a question from a listener about um, Taoistic sexual practices and ecstasy and shamanic practices and energy and chi and how does all of this fit together? Now, the thing is, though, this all fits together in some ways because of the axis mundi, which is a Latin word or words that basically means the center of the world. Um, this is an existential place or point where the dialectic cohabitates. So it is a place where creation and and entropy, the essential generative and destructive forces of the universe exist as one within the great mystery. So in other words, it's the point where everything is, which also makes it the point through which you can get to anywhere and everywhere and every time. So the axis mundi is an important concept across places and across times. So throughout time and across the globe, it shows up again and again and again. So it's really not just a human construct. It shows up in philosophies and it shows up in religions. Um, And in particular, it has a unique relationship to shamanism. Because in shamanism... It is very specifically not so much a concept as it is the point through which we move as we move into altered states and other places and other times. And so it is um, a part of how we do the work. It's not just a way that we think about things. It's not just a, a handy metaphor, although it is a handy metaphor. It is not just a handy metaphor. So in shamanism, the axis mundi is the world tree. And many different shamanic cultures name particular trees as the world tree, the ash, the cedar, the, you know, different trees in different places. Um, That doesn't really matter because the whole point is how it functions, how the axis mundi functions as this existential place or point. Um, between the worlds, between the f- this experience we're having of the physical world and the energy world where um, we're looking at the, the deeper energies, the true energies um, that are underneath this illusion of life we're experiencing. But also in this illusion of life we're experiencing is the dream that we're dreaming that overlays on that. So it's very complex and there's many layers. And so the axis mundi is this point at which these things all touch. So it is a starting point uh, to the journey, to the shaman's journey into the other realms. And as such, it is not just a mental construct. It is not just that mental concept. It is the point from which one accesses the one, the oneness. And thus, it is the point from which we access all places and all times. 
So how do we, as contemporary practitioners, cultivate a deep relationship with the axis mundi and its energy so that we don't skip across the surface of the work, avoiding contact with the ineffable? And this is an important question. It's one actually Sandra Ingerman has been addressing for several months now in her transmutation news. Um, I think that's the name. Um, but anyway, you get my point. That as, as contemporary practitioners, one of our weaknesses in our, in our great expansion of the mind is that we get trapped there. And we treat all of these things as their metaphors, as their concepts. We have this saying that intention is enough. Um, and, it, and, and it isn't everything. It matters, but it isn't everything. And, and, and what the Axis Mundi is talking about, and it doesn't even get talked about anymore, really, when we teach people the journey. I mean, I don't bring it up in my journey classes. It's kind of too big a concept, and people are just trying to learn the technique. And, and so what the Axis Mundi is then is, is this concept we need to touch mentally. We need to experience in our journeys. It is this energetic idea that we need to begin to grapple with after we've learned the basics of journeying so that we can grapple with it experientially. But the important thing is that we grapple with it and that we don't simply go, oh, yeah, Axis Mundi, that means the world tree. That's my journey tree. And off I go having yet another journey that's just skipping like a stone across the surface of the energy realm I'm wanting to actually dive deeply into. And I mean that whether it's an upper world journey or a lower world journey, that that aspect of it is irrelevant. The point is, are you moving through this existential point? of all things where it all connects and moving in to another realm or are you simply daydreaming so you can imagine as in a daydream going to the tree going to the world tree and descending and meeting your jaguar spirit and asking your question and imagining a response or you can imagine yourself at your tree or other starting point and then allow yourself to open to the ineffable, to the unknowable that is beyond the unknown and listen to the drum. Allow the drum to interrupt your ordinary flow of imagination. Open your senses And allow yourself to be at the tree. Let your imagination engage in a new way. Be at the center of the world, of all things. And allow yourself to move from there toward your spirit help and the answer to your question. So the axis mundi is referred to as the cosmic axis the world axis, the world pillar. And many see it manifest, as I said earlier, in the world around them, in the tent pole that holds up the center of the yurt um, uh, or the center of the tent, essentially, or the hole at the top of the yurt, Um, the staircases, ladders are human constructs that that the, the pillars, any kind of pillar, that, that all of these things that even that humans create that are embedded in the structure of temples that are found in the natural world, these are all ways that we experience this point that allows us to move. But it doesn't have to be manifest in the world around us. So we're not going to get into all of this literal history and all of, all of the places the Axis Mundi shows up around the world. At this point in time, I don't care. You've proved it to me. It shows up across all time and across all places on the globe. I get that. I get the history. Enough already. What is the point for us here today? In its simplest sense, the Axis Mundi can be seen as the point 
where heaven and earth connect or the connection between the earth and sky to not bring any religious context to it. Cultures all over the world represent this connection as this center axis. Their symbols are found in nature, in world trees, in mountains, in human creation, ladders, stairs, religious context, the way temples are built, um, etc. And in secular context, when we build an obelisk, you know, that, that, that this, this existential place has such resonant meaning in our deep self – in our deep soulful self, that we see it all around us as it manifests naturally and we create it, even in the secular world. It is, it, it, it is one of those things about human life on this planet, in this universe, that transcends all of it, transcends time, transcend ideologies, and simply is. So it is one of those things that is in this relationship between life on earth and all of its many forms and that experience that we're having of this physically manifest life and all of the rest of the energy that goes into that happening. So no matter how it is represented, the Axis Mundi is about accessing knowledge and anyone or anything suspended on the Axis Axis, you know, suspended there between heaven and earth becomes a repository um, of potential knowledge. So this is, this is how this existential place has served humanity specifically. It is this place through which or by which humans are able to access, access knowledge they did not possess prior to the engagement. Okay. So, so now let's try to tie now these last two shows we've had together. So two weeks ago, I talked about the shaman's power and how it comes to the shaman from the quality of the shaman's relationship with the spirits. And the spirits sort of in quotes, you know, spirits for lack of a better word. Okay, so that was two weeks ago. And we talked about how the, the shaman... Uh, is using this relationship to explore the altered states um, that make the shaman the shaman. Uh, in other words, it's through these altered states the shaman is to perform the functions that define the shaman as shaman in the community. Um, and so these um, put the shaman in intimate connection with this original sacred power that is conveyed uh, through the shaman, either through the messages or the information the shaman brings back from the journey or through the shaman, literally through the embodiment trance state. Um, so the, the, the sacred original energy can move through the shaman's body to do hands-on healing or whatever. Um, and so in this way, we talk about this original sacred power being conveyed through the quote-unquote spirit. So we talk about how we cannot stay on the surface or understand on a rational level this experience, these mysteries, this, this relationship with the ineffable. As Sandy says in one of her newsletters, um, it was not through the teaching of methods and ceremonies that creates the healing and the transformation from the work. It is the energy behind the methods, the expanded energies that the shaman brings through. It's the formless energies. And so the point is, how do we access the formless energies? How do we get beyond ourself and our extrasensory self and really connect with the formless energies and bring that energy through. In other words, it is about intimacy with these formless energies. And that intimacy begins with our intimacy with the starting point or with the axis mundi, with this concept slash place point existential thing that I've suggested we must grapple with as a reality. Um, not as a concept, we go, okay, I mentally get that and I'm going to put that over there, equate this with my starting point, and then just go have a mental concept journey. But that I need to use this for what it is, and which means I'm going to need to let go 
of who I am in this moment to move through this point to become something else for a bit so that other knowledge can be accessed and brought back through. And this is precisely why I am not one of those teachers that says, oh, yeah, yeah, after you learned a journey, your journey is exactly the same as intuition you get. Your helping spirits are talking to you all the time. It's the same. It's not the same. Your helping spirits are talking to you all the time. And you do need to learn to hear, quote, unquote, your helping spirits communicating with you in your everyday life. That is true. And it is not necessarily the same message that you would get if you were to pass through that point through the axis mundi use it use that conduit to get out of this realm into this other realm and access knowledge that is just out of our reach that's a different uh task a different function um that all of us as adults actually can learn to do the better you can do that the more likely you are being called into some kind of divinatory or shamanic or medium type role but the point is all developing all of these capacities matter when we glom them together we st- and stop discerning among them we actually begin to step away from our capacity to truly access this realm you know through which odin got the runes i mean this realm through which this deep uh, um amazing wisdom gets handed down from the other realm to the people gets sort of titrated in in a way that the people can understand it and use it and so it's about intimacy and it's about intimacy with this concept of the axis mundi the center of things this place through which all things connect and pass and our willingness to enter there in other words our willingness to leave where we are in control and surrender to what we cannot know so that we can possibly touch something that is unknowable in that moment and then filters down through the process into something that we can offer as medicine to the people. Okay, so then last week we talked about this whole process of journeying and the expectations and misconceptions of the typical Western mind with its steady diet of Hollywood, ayahuasca, pop songs, and too much information on the internet. Um, And so we talked about making your journeys fully experiential, about opening all of your senses and moving into the journey with your heart, with a sense of your physical body, with a sense of your five senses and your extraordinary senses, and to really move out of your Um, journey as a mental concept and into an intimate relationship with your journey with your helping spirits with all of the energies that journey with you we talked about using all of your senses to merge and be merged with to enter that space and to be entered by the spirits and to encounter the other world intimately So where does intimacy take us then? Why am I going on and on about this? I mean, we sort of had two shows adding up to this show. Now, for many of you to just hear the word intimacy, you're going to begin to tune out. And I encourage you to take a breath and to wait. Don't go. Intimacy really isn't that scary. And that which matters deeply, that which goes with us when we die, that which shapes our character in a way that our soul can take it again into the next life, that which matters deeply begins in intimacy. And you cannot actually practice anything that you could honestly call shamanic or honestly call shamanism if you are afraid of spiritual and energetic intimacy. There is no shamanism without intimacy with the formless energies of the sacred. 
So shamanic altered states have been called the techniques of ecstasy. They have been famously called the techniques of ecstasy. And do you really think that you have one set of ecstasy pipes for shamanic ecstasy and another set of ecstasy pipes for sexual ecstasy? Do you really think there's like a pipe for good ecstasies and a pipe for tawdry bad ecstasies? If you think that, then I suggest that you Google right now The Ecstasy of St. Teresa by Bernini. Go ahead. I'll wait for you. Google it. And in this piece of sculpture, this very famous piece of sculpture, you will see the probably humanity's best capturing ever in marble of the moment of ecstasy in St. Teresa. Now, this is a moment of divine ecstasy, a moment of spiritual ecstasy. And yet in this sculpture, we see that there is no distinction. Ecstasy is ecstasy. It doesn't matter whether we open to that energy and that it moves through us as a spiritual experience with the divine, that which is holy, if it moves through us because of our dance practice, our ecstatic dance practice, or chanting. It doesn't matter if it moves through us simply through the unbound joy of a moment or through our shamanic practices. It doesn't matter where the motivation of the ecstatic experience is coming from. Ecstasy moves through the human body through our channels, our system for ecstatic experience. There's one system, one set of channels that this energy moves through. There, there isn't one for the spiritual ecstasy and one for the sexual ecstasy. There's not a higher body and a lower body. Ecstasy is ecstasy. Ecstasy is that place that it all meets. It all comes together. Ecstasy is ecstasy. It doesn't matter where it's coming from. Whether it moves through us inspired by the physical manipulations of the body, the joyous manipulations of the heart, the chemical manipulations of the mind, or the touch of our helping spirits with our own spirit, ecstasy is ecstasy. Many, many, many motivations for the experience of ecstasy exist here for the human being and they all use the same path through the human body life is so generous a giver the earth such a generous dreamer to have dreamt this path of ecstasy into our very form to have built into the physical manifestation of a human this, these conduits, this path for ecstatic experience. This is such a generous gift. There's such beauty in it. To think about this gift we've each been given at birth. No one had to earn it. You didn't have to be a good person to get it. You've been given at birth by the virtue of coming here as a human, the capacity for ecstasy. Many, many different motivations of, that can move that ecstasy through the body. So, are you struggling in your intimacy with spirit, in the depth of your journey, in feeling moved by the answers? Then you are likely struggling first in your intimacy with yourself. If you want to journey more deeply, then cultivate an intimate relationship with your axis mundi. So what is the axis mundi in a human, you might ask? Well, we have an axis mundi. We are an axis mundi. Most of us certainly don't behave that way, but we are. We have a centered channel. You actually know the answer to this question, what is the axis mundi in a human? Because I call it in at the beginning of every show. And this is just a free radio show for an hour once a week. 
it's the same thing. It's all the same thing. It's all about this existential place where all these things come together, where we can access our capacity for ecstasy, where we can nourish and cultivate our capacity for ecstasy so that we have our attitude about life adjusted correctly to be one with all things, to find our place in our magnificence and humility in the world and to move into ecstatic relationship with all of life and to do so in a way that is practical, that is about growing the corn, feeding the children, caring for the elders and doing what you've come here to do. That it is not our destiny to be here and simply suffer the whole time. The reason that you have the capacity to feel pain is because before that you were given this capacity for ecstasy. And I encourage you to use it. Suffering comes easily. I encourage you to crawl out of that hole and begin to cultivate actively cultivate your relationship that is there in your body with your pathways towards ecstasy. Open yourself up for an ecstatic life. And so this core path is your center channel. For those of you that know about the Taurus, it's the the channel in the center of the energy donut. It's in all of Alex Gray's art. And it is, it should be, it needs to be in our shamanic practices. So how can you possibly expect to move without distortion into the axis mundi and into the spirit world in your journeys, in your rituals, in your ceremonies, if you cannot run a regular everyday pulse of energy cleanly through your own center channel, through your own little mini axis mundi? How can you imagine that you are actually able to contact and move through the big axis, Mundi, if your own is distorted, cluttered, and confused? More importantly, to put a pointy stick on this, if you are afraid of sexual ecstasy because of your experiences in life, and bless your heart for surviving those experiences and being here now to listen to the show. Because yes, much of our history hurts, and I'm not diminishing that in any way. But if you are afraid today of sexual ecstasy because of what happened in the past, then you are unknowingly afraid of the experience of journeying, afraid of the ecstasy that is always there in this aspect of that connection with the spirit world. Ecstasy is ecstasy. If you're afraid of sexual ecstasy, then you are afraid of ecstasy with the divine. If you're afraid of ecstasy with the divine, frankly, you're afraid of sexual ecstasy. Ecstasy is ecstasy. The important thing is not being afraid of it and cultivating a relationship with yourself so that you can be an ecstatic person. Now, the other side of that, for those of you that have ecstatic practices, what are you doing with that ecstasy, that experience? Are you allowing that to change your attitude, to open your perspective about the world, to give you long vision and help you begin to do what you have come here to do in a better way. So those are kind of the two extremes. Ecstasy, ecstasy, ecstasy to the big so what? And if if that's what you're doing with your ecstatic dance practice or something like that, then you need to give yourself, answer the question, so what? begin to use it. But the bigger issue that I want to look at here today is how many people are actually wanting a deep connection with spirit through their journeys and yet they do not have an intimate connection with their own body, with their selves, with their center channel, with their microcosmic orbit, with their own inner um, ecstatic space. So, Thank goodness for the humans that have gone before us, we can use ancient sexual practices to cultivate our relationship with the energy of the Axis Mundi. 
And this is essential, I think, personally, to a strong and deep shamanic practice. Well, not necessarily using ancient sexual practices, but cultivating an intimate relationship with the axis mundi is necessary. Not just an intellectual one, but an intimate one. And so this is what I believe is essential for a strong and deep shamanic practice. What I'm talking about today is how we can use the ancient sexual practices, sexual cultivation, the, the kung fu, really, of um, sexual practices to cultivate this energy. So the axis mundi is not just a mental concept for the shaman, but a practical tool. It is a spiritual awareness. It is a place. It is a relationship. It is a conduit. It is the point through which the shaman travels when journeying in an altered state, an often ecstatic state. So ecstasy is not the purpose of the shaman's journey, right? Just ecstasy for the sake of ecstasy ends up being a big so what, ultimately. I mean, not every single time, but ultimately. So ecstasy is not the purpose of the shaman's journey. However, it is often a valuable byproduct to be in that quality of relationship with spirit, to be in that intimacy. Often ecstasy is a byproduct of that. So there are ancient yogic or tantric practices, and I'm not very familiar with them, not as familiar as I am with the Taoistic practices. So I'm going to speak from that perspective, but I want to acknowledge, as I always do at this juncture in shows where I talk about this, that the Taoistic practices are not the only ones. They're just the ones I'm more familiar with from my own practice. So, And I'm speaking specifically now about the value of solo practices. And this is one of the challenges with the way Tantra has been introduced, well, and actually the Taoistic practices are being brought into the contemporary world, is it's really been brought into the contemporary world as a way to have great sex and a way to access um, these generative, nutritive energies um, through partner practices. And what I'm talking about today is solo practices. You cultivating intimacy with yourself with your body and your own channels for ecstasy so what I found without getting into TMI with me and my life um, there was a, a large period of time in the not too distant past when I was um, didn't have any sexual partners what I had at that time was a very rigorous Qigong practice. And one facet of that Qigong practice were the um, Taoistic woman's sexual practices. It's kind of like um, ovary kung fu, o- ovary uh, cultivating the energy of the ovaries in particular and then moving that generative energy through the body. And that's the female piece. And what I discovered through this practice is that I came to own my own power much more thoroughly, much more intimately than I had yet in my life. And from most people's perspective, I'd already done it enough, frankly, in life. So it's not like I had you know, miles to go. But nonetheless, through this intimate practice where you're working with your own energies, your own orgasmic energy and your own ecstatic energies and moving those energies intentionally through the body, sending them to places that need healing, sending them to places that need well-being, sending them potentially into aspects of your life that need nourishment that need movement that need that energy and learning not only to cultivate orgasmic um, ecstatic energies but to direct them to direct them in yourself and into your dream basically and so what I found happened by finally bringing in this piece rigorously in my Qigong practice because I kind of dabbled in it for a long time but really doing it is I came to understand what it means from a really graceful, humble place to truly own your power and to own my own sex, basically, my own sexuality, my own capacity for ecstasy, 
and particularly orgasmic ecstasy and my own ability not only to cultivate that energy and manifest it literally in the world, but to direct it intentionally. And, and so for those of you, particularly people who have been violated sexually and have um, that, that kind of um, related issues around your sexual energy, this is an extremely direct and powerful path to reclaim yourself, your capacity for intimacy, your power, your sexual power, your generative power, all of this to detach it from any kind of relationship with anyone else. This is about you, the information, the wisdom, the practices itself, and the energies that you can generate between you and the universe. And this is the most direct power back to gaining all that you may perceive was taken from you. Because part of what you will discover is that these fundamental issues of ecstatic intimacy, power, generative energy, your body, that no one can take those from you. No one can even damage them. That it's in the story. It's in the experience. It's in how that affected you emotionally and energetically at the time. But you can take it all back. And it doesn't have to do with confrontations to any other people. It doesn't have to do with your current partner. doesn't have to do with your sexual orientation. It has to do with you cultivating an intimate relationship with your ecstatic capacity and your ability to move and direct that energy to bring it up in your life and to direct it where you choose to. And out of this comes a phenomenal sense of power and place in the world that is utterly unrelated to others, utterly unrelated to the rank, privilege, and power structures in the world, um, in your past stories, in your future ideas about yourself. If you want a path back to your self-worth, if you want a path back to all of these stories that we carry that cripple us, This is a direct path back to learn to have an intimate relationship with your procreative center, to call up yourself without anyone else's involvement, call up your ecstatic orgasmic energies, to move them through your body for your own health and healing, to move them into your life, into your dream, all just you and the universe. This is the direct path back for many of you for reclaiming your power, yourself, your sexuality, but also your right, your birthright as an ecstatic being on this planet. So this, for me, for someone who was already alive, already living her soul's purpose, already completely happy with the sex life she'd had so far, you know, wasn't trying to fix anything, but found that this could go so much deeper. And it can keep going deeper as the practice continues. So let's talk for a minute about boy parts and girl parts. Okay, so the most important thing for those of you who have a creative variation on the basic themes of gender expression in your life is just work with your parts. If you have all the parts, lucky you. Most of us have only one set. We don't have both sets. We have either boy parts or girl parts. Now, if you've changed your parts surgically, honestly, I'm not quite sure. Um, I haven't had enough experience yet journeying for enough different people who've altered their parts to have an answer that I would feel confident sharing in general. So I don't know. There's answers there. I just, I just don't know them right now. So I am for the moment going to step over that. And I'm sorry for those of you who have altered your parts. I, I just have to be honest. I don't know at the moment. So all all I'm going to talk about today is your boy parts and your girl parts. And it doesn't really matter how you identify with them or where you want to put them or what you want put into them or any of that. All that really matters is your parts, okay, in terms of the practices because the practices are connected to the parts. They're not connected to anything else, socially, gender, orientation, variance, whatever, any of that craziness. Okay, so back to the basic parts. So the procreative organs are the testes and the ovaries. These are what carry 
the energies that come together to make new life. The, you know, the penises and the vagina, you know, these are the delivery system, right? But we're looking at the procreative organs, the testes and the ovaries. And they carry the energies that we want to conserve for a number of reasons, which you can read um, books about these practices to discover all the many reasons. However, in the context of this show, we want to conserve these energies because we want to um, conserve the juice, the ecstatic juice necessary to move into the ecstatic states of um, shamanism. We don't want to be depleted and unable basically to get it up enough to get into the journey, right? And so for people with penises, this means learning to separate your orgasm from your ejaculation. And this is called many things in our contemporary world, and we're back to that whole marketing of the multi-orgasmic male or something about the quality of your technique with your partners or how long Sting and Trudy carry on in their sexual practices. And all of that is fine and true and marketing and whatever. But most of it is to sell books, and most of it is to make uh, what most men consider impossible sound attractive. So, but think about it. If your sense of ecstasy and orgasm is completely tied to ejaculation, then right at the best part of your journey, if you ejaculate, then you're done. So this is really not very functional. And why do you think these male shamans that are drawn all over the cave walls, all over the world, are drawn with erect penises? Because it's about ecstasy. It's not about sex. It's not about having sex with your converts. It's not about cults and all that, as many male shamans today would want you to believe. And it is definitely not about ejaculation. It's about the being in the ecstatic state, which if you've got a penis, that's usually obvious to people. So for men, own your orgasms, own your power, and in that, learn to direct your focus um, into your journey in the ecstatic states. And it's just a practice. It's just a practice of learning that orgasm and ejaculation do not necessarily have to happen together. And this is old information men have been doing all over the world for forever. So just, you know, if you're interested, look into that. Because if you want the juice for journeying, it's in this. It's in cultivating your capacity to run ecstatic energy in your body. Uh, okay, so where were we? That was penises. Okay, so own your orgasm, right? Own your own power. So people with wombs and vaginas, it's a whole different story because you're already multi-orgasmic. You don't need to separate your orgasm from anything. Um, you're already designed to move through waves and waves of ecstasy deeper and deeper into the journey. So what are your issues? Well, I don't know what they used to be for shamanic women, but these are the two issues now. One is retaining the procreative energy of your eggs as they're released month by month. And there are some practices that actually retain the eggs literally, which then stops your period, which is not necessarily desirable for contemporary women who want to have babies and things like that. But you can retain the energy through practices. Let the physical egg go, but retain the energy itself through intention. So that's one issue. The other issue is to clear whatever historical issues lie between the you that you are today and you truly owning your orgasms and your power and your procreative generative power, that these are the primary issues for women and this is what we can gain through the women's sexual practices. So the men's and the women's are similar but not exactly the same because you got different parts. Okay. And again, it's about parts. It's not about gender orientation. Okay, so as you cultivate and learn to move ecstatic energies in your own body, you move them in your center channel. You also move them in the microcosmic orbit that circles through the body. Then you are moving your energy in the shape of a medicine wheel. You're moving it in this core axis that connects heaven, center, and earth, right, and the directions all around. So as you move your energy in your center axis and in your microcosmic orbit, it's the same shape, the same sacred shape 
as the medicine wheel with the four directions around the core axis and the sphere of energy. They're exactly the same. So as you cultivate and learn to move ecstatic energies in your own body, in your center channel, in your microcosmic orbit, you cultivate your ability to intimately engage with the axis mundi on the larger scale and to truly enter into an ecstatic journey space. So people ask, why do I lean so heavily on the pointy stick of the Tao, which is a very pointy stick? Why is my shamanism so Taoistic, as some would say? This is because what I find in the world of spirit when I journey is Taoism, that their answers are Taoistic, just as Hilary Webb found um, in Andean shamanism, this complementary dualism. It's not antagonistic dualism. Duality is an impossibility. That's not shamanic. It's very Western, but it's not shamanic. That in, in the answers, in the path of healing, in the remedies, in the ceremonies, in the rituals, constantly are these Taoistic principles. And that's what I find in the physical truth of the world around me when it's working, when it's actually working, and when it's ecstatic. And this is what I find in the history of humanity's mystical teachings. And so these things all cross the same point again and again. So humans must cultivate internal and external awareness of this energy. Their, their internal, my personal opening of the channel and connecting externally with this more universal opening of the channel. And humans who are so easily confused and distracted have been given these practices by our ancestors who were also easily confused and distracted, right? And so they cultivated practices. And the beauty of a practice is you learn it, you memorize it, you do it day after day after day to, to compensate for the fact that you are a human and you are easily confused and distracted. So align your practices, your shamanic practices, your, um, daily physical practice around the idea, the concept, the awareness, the understanding of the axis mundi. Structure your altar with an axis. You know, for uh, I found this uh, actually on the internet. Um, I don't know who to attribute this quote to, but they were saying that for the American Indian, space always has a sacred center. It has a place where the above, the earth, and the below are joined and are one. The center is the place where all spaces become unified. It is the space where the American Indians experience complete unity with their world, where power and order is generated at the center and radiates outward. And so if you have no training from any cultures and just begin to work with this energetic structure in your own altar that is duplicated in the picture of a four element system but also in your body with your center channel and your microcosmic orbit that this exact same thing created by the many many different peoples in North America will be recreated in your own way at your own altar so let that shape be the form of your physical practice the way you understand your, your physical energy when you're in your yoga practice or your qigong practice or your aikido practice or, or your ecstatic dance practice. Let it, let it be the form of your ecstatic practice. Have something in your life that gives you regular access to your capacity for ecstasy. The more it doesn't depend on anybody else in the world, the better. Let this shape, let this understanding of the axis mundi be the form for your prayers and blessings. In other words, what takes your prayers and blessings to those you're sending them to? How do they get there? They move into the axis mundi and disperse from there. Let it become your, the shape in how you see the world and let it be the story of where you came from and why you are here. Let the energies that are naturally present here, no matter what people do across space and time, let them begin to be the energetic forms that shape your life because this is what the spirit world is trying to teach you through your journeys. This is what nature is showing you as you spend your time out in nature. This is what your practices 
your physical practices will show you if you begin to work with the energy inherent in your body that all of these things reach toward or come together in the axis mundi and in the center of all of that is ecstasy it's not nothingness it's ecstasy so they all align in the same shape giving each other form giving each other the shape and the story and they are all enlivened through the ecstatic orgasmic energy that is yours that is life's and they are all woven together in your life through the intimacy of your heart so I give thanks to those ancestors in particular who cultivated these practices and all those ancestors who kept them alive so that we could rediscover them today and continue without having to reinvent that ever so critical wheel. And I give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and the axis mundi that creates each time I imagine myself there between heaven and earth. And I give thanks to the heart that unites us all. So next week, our guest will be author and neo-shaman Kelly Harrell. She will talk with us about how we actually manifest ancient practices in the modern world and use technology to connect our non-local communities. And she'll talk about her work with her tribe of the modern mystics. So join us next week. And thank you all, everyone. Have an ecstatic week.